Hello, fans. This is Justin Pop. Kennedy. And we are the between the uprights and your Well, fans, last week we had the divisional round uh, of playoff games. So we are now to the point where coaches are being hot fired and uh, we're down to like three games left in the entire fall season. At times, it's questionable whether we get this far, and we actually managed to do it. So, um, at conference championship games this weekend. So, let's get to it. First, um, in the last game of the uh, weekend, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady beat the Saints at the Superdome in Drew Brees' final game. I got to say, I hated to see Brees go out this way because he had a really bad game. Oh, yeah, it was it was tough to watch. I'm not even going to lie. But, oh, did I make some money off that game? Oh, yes. <laughs> you and I both, and we're going to talk about that here a bit, about our bad luck this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really, it was a close game at the beginning. But then the Saints, when the, when the game was on the line and it mattered most, they could not stop turning the ball over. And you cannot win a game when you're losing the turnover turnover battle four to zero. It's for an offense that has looked pretty good all year behind Alvin Kamara. They did not do jack. It was very hard for them to move the ball. Very hard for them to find open receivers. Period. I think this says more about the Bucks' defense than it does how bad the Saints offense was. This defense came to play. And if they can come, if they can go into this week with that same energy, they really stand a chance of knocking off the Packers. Yeah, it's not like um, Brady had himself a great game. It was just Brady had a really bad game because of that defense. Uh, he was 19-34 with one touchdown but three interceptions. And the Saints really needed that uh, trick play to Jameis that ended up being a touchdown. For the final score to be close, take that play out of the 30th, 13th. Coming in on the stretch, the Bucks had more composure in this game as Brady led the offense, and the defense came up with plays time and time again. I remember uh, there was one play, uh, a fumble, where I uh, texted some of my friends. I was like, Antoine Winfield Jr. is looking like his daddy out there. Same <laughs> plays all over the field. Like, this Bucks team, they're good. Now, I don't think, I don't know if it continues this weekend. But that being said, I have got to say, I they've been better this season than I thought they were going to be. For sure. Um, another team whose uh, magical run is actually ending this week, the Browns' season came to an end by the Kansas City Chiefs, despite Mahomes getting concussed. And this one was a really wild game. From what I'm hearing, though, it's not a concussion. It's like he pinched a nerve in his neck and he got up and felt wobbly. Yeah, he actually got uh, basically choked out. Yeah, because if you even watch the hit, it's not like it was a head-to-head hit. Like, it's just he got taken down awkwardly. And <laughs> Chad Henney <laughs> stepped up. He didn't have to do much because freaking Cleveland couldn't move the ball when it counted. But, hey, I got to give it to the to the Browns. They stayed in it. I... I I'm curious to find out what the score would have been had Mahomes not gotten hurt. I feel like there would have been more of a cushion there. And if he's not ready for this Sunday, uh, the Chiefs will not repeat. It's going to be really hard 
with Chad Henney at quarterback to do anything. Tyreek Hill had a great game, eight catches, 110 yards. And again, the Chiefs won the turnover battle. Baker threw one pick, Mahomes threw zero. So, and yeah, against um, the Bills, yeah, against the Bills, that's going to be critical is not turning the ball over. Yeah, you got to hand it to um, Andy Reid because um, he, had, he had massive ball to continue passing the ball even when Mahomes went out. And then the fourth down call. That was brilliant. You could tell uh, oh, yeah. the commentator and Tony Romo were, uh, they did not expect that because Romo, he was like, oh, they're not going to run a play. They're not going to run a play. And all of a sudden the ball snapped and they've got first down. They're running out the ball. Yeah, that's brilliant because if everybody's thinking they're not going to run that play, you think that def- the defense has got to be thinking that. And they're just, their main focus is not, not jumping off sides. And the fact is, I saw like an interview after the game. It was with Chad Henney that said they ran that play in practice over and over because they were going to use it if they needed it. He felt comfortable with it. And Reed was like, are you comfortable doing this? And he's like, yeah, that's what we ran in practice all week. I got it. So to have that confidence in your backup, it's pretty, pretty good. And it's it adds depth. But do I think the Chiefs can win a game with Chad Henney at starter? No, I do not. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that they can either. Uh, one thing I do want to give a massive credit for, though, is you know Andy Reid isn't looked at for whatever reason. He's not considered up there with you know the Chuck Noll and the Bill Belichick's of the world. But he is uh, this uh, Chiefs team is the first team to host three straight conference championship games since the 2002 to 2004 Philadelphia Eagles. Coached by Andy, Andy Reid. <laughs> there is something to be said for his continued success time and time again. Uh, hey, I'm sorry. My laptop's fucking up. Can I come back in? Yeah, let me just pause one second. Mentioning bird teams, one bird team that lost this week was the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who got beat by the Bills in Buffalo in a wild game with wild weather. Neither offense could get going, and this was the first playoff game in 40 years without a touchdown in the first half. Uh, what, what were some of your takeaways on this game? Man, this game gave me a heart attack, dude. <laughs> I'll get into it later, but I needed a certain player to score first, and they made it really interesting. Okay. But th- this Ravens team looks like complete trash. Like, they couldn't do anything against this defense. Lamar Jackson got knocked out the game with a concussion right after throwing a 101-yard pick six. The Bills. Yeah, that, that concussion and pick six, that was huge. But I think that was kind of the microphone game. It, really, everything went wrong. It could go wrong for the Ravens. Oh, definitely. Uh, just... But the way that the Bills' offense played, it's it's going to be questionable whether they can keep up with this Chiefs' offense. Because this Chiefs' offense on a good game, on any, like, nine, nine games out of ten, can put up 30, 40 points, no problem, if they need to. If your offense can't move the ball, you're not going to be able to keep up. And I don't care how good that defense is. 
when you have weapons coming at you from every direction, it's going to be really hard to stop this offense. But, I mean, the Bills played good. They they did enough to win the game, which honestly wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Because this Ravens team just looked, they weren't prepared. I don't I don't know what they did to prepare, but they never need to do that again, ever. From a factor, um, with uh, the factor in this game was the weather. And with no fans or very few fans in stands for this entire season, really the best home field advantage has been weather. That was shown um, in this game because the wind and the cold wreaked havoc on this Ravens team. Justin yeah, Tucker missed two picks. Yeah. That, that was more than he missed in the 2014 and the 2019 season. I get that, but at the same time, they're from Baltimore. It's freaking cold. And they deal with one, too, because they're one. Right I'm going to tell you this right now. My dad lives real close, about an hour outside of Baltimore. There is a whole new level of cold when you go to Buffalo. I've, I've been in Baltimore in January and December, and it, it is cold, but the cold there is like 30s, 20s. Buffalo, that's a whole new kind of cold, especially with that wind. It's probably like my kind and of cold. And the wind not only affected the kicking game, it kept quarterbacks from being able to effectively throw more than about 10 yards effective. At the end of the day, Allen did have the arm strength to be able to cut through and uh, get a job done. But also, that uh, uh, I, it was just messed up the offense so badly trying to get through it that the defense were able to play out of their mind for both teams in this game. I wonder what it would have been like had weather been good. I think Buffalo still probably would have won. But I think that it would have been a lot closer in the end. Yeah. Probably would have been more entertaining. Yeah. <clears throat> um, finally, the last game of the week, um, the Saturday matinee, the Packers routed the Rams in the frigid cold land field. I got to say, I expected this one. As soon as I saw Jared Goff with a broken finger going to be playing in the cold January game at Lambeau. I'm like, yeah, there's no way he's winning that. I agree. I mean, the Rams defense played great the week before this, but here's the thing. You were playing a declining Seattle offense. You lost Aaron Donald during the game to injuries, which you have to factor into this week. Like, even if he did play, I didn't get to watch this one because I was in a meeting, but even if he did play, he's not 100%. No, he he was clearly limited because he only got held with one pass rush. Okay. Um, so there's that. I don't, again, I didn't watch it, so I'm assuming Cooper Cup didn't play. That's, that injury looked serious. Mm-hmm. So you're missing your best receiver. You're missing your best defensive player. And your quarterback's playing with a broken thumb. I didn't expect, I didn't even expect them to put up 18 points. So the fact that they even got that many, like, congratulations, you're still going home. <clears throat> I got to agree with you. And it reminded me a lot of the uh, Titans game, Packers Titans game, where it was just clear one team was acclimated as a Colts, the other team was not, and the team that was acclimated won this game. Um, however, it didn't end up staying much closer for a lot of it than I expected, but the Alan Lazard touchdown pass. 
at the end of the game, uh, or late in the game. I did and see that. In the margin of where it really should have been. I thought it was going to be three or four touchdown game, honestly. Yeah, I did see that play because we had a meeting in downtown Chicago, and then we went to my friend's house to like finish that game and watch the Bills game. And we did see that one. And teams, when are you going to learn to stop falling for this play action? He's not. He's the number one quarterback in play action. Stop falling for it. But Aaron Rodgers looked great. I don't. Again, this is another offense that's really hard to beat. So you better bring your defensive game to Bucks because this is going to be a battle. And honestly, right now, I would take MVP Rodgers over Old Man Brady or Old Man Brady. So. Uh, finally, um, uh, we've got some gambling like to go over that we both had this week. Now you're the one that has had quite a lot more and than I did, and you hit on a lot more things. I'll just give it through mine real quick. My bets coming into the week, we didn't do gamblers corner last week because there were only four games to come or do a corner, uh, and broadcast from the Super Bowl. We do plan on having a full episode devoted to. Uh, bring gamblers corner back for a large part of the episode to it. But um, for this week, I had um, the Chiefs covering a five-point spread or four-point spread. Oh, you got lucky there. (laughs) I had the Packers covering the spread, and I had uh, the Bucks winning both covering the spread and winning outright. And I had those additionally in a bunch of different parlays and uh, round robin parlors, freaking teasers, all different kinds of things, and all of them hit. So I made some good money, but you want to tell the listeners how much you made? All right. So, as you guys can tell from all these other episodes, I'm not a gambler, but my friend was like, Hey, look what I've, look what I've been winning on DraftKings. And he pulled it up. He's like, I only put $25 in, and his balance was at like $330. So I was like, Oh, really? No. I was like, watch this. Uh, so I put like 100 into my balance. Right? And because, and then when you sign up, you get a free 100 to 1 bet. So I put a dollar on Kansas City winning outright. So for that, I won $100. So a bet a dollar got 101. And then they do these things called mystery boxes. So you get like, you get odds boosters for whatever that, whatever they decide to give you. So my first one I got was that Stephon Diggs would score the first touchdown in the Bills game. This is where I had a heart attack. So <clears throat> they keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's just like field goal, field goal, field goal. I was like, oh, my God, dude, I'm going to scream. <laughs> so finally Diggs scores. So that was a $20 bet I made 170 off of. So then... Kansas City was the next morning. So then I had another mystery box the next day. And that was for Mike Evans to score the first touchdown. So I put two $10 bets on that, both of which paid at a $110 payout. So bet 10 got 120 for both of those. Plus, I didn't want to bet against myself. So I also put $5 down that Mike Evans would be the the next Buccaneer to score a touchdown. So I paid out $25. So just for one touchdown, I made 265 I was like, let's go. I also put I also put money on the Bucks to win, which was only a twenty dollar payout at the time. But it 
here's the thing. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do it because I was seriously considering it. But at one time, I really thought the Saints were going to come back and win this game. And if I had put all $400 down, it would have been like a $7,000 payout if they won because they were down by like 10 at that point. And I was like, nope, not going to do it. So I put like $20 down and it still would have been like a $500 payout. Wow. <clears throat> but, you made way more money than I've made on my highest uh, winning day, at least uh, sports-wise. Yeah. I made that gambling, like uh, normal casino games. So I've never made that uh, on sports. There again, though, you're also making much higher units than me. So that's pretty impressive, though, my man. Yeah, I was like, I've already cashed out, dude. I'm like... I had my luck. Probably not going to hit again. So let's just take a break. Yeah. Got to say, uh, congratulations on finally becoming a degenerate. I know, right? It was, it was bad. We welcome you to the club. <laughs> right? It's bad, but good. Now, if DraftKings yeah. would just give me my money, it'd be even better. Yep. <clears throat> um, moving along, we got a lot of storylines this week. Quite a few. First, uh, it's not the most important thing, but it is the best place to start. One of our um, most commonly joked about guys this entire season has been the one and only Adam Gay. And despite being fired from the Jets because he's a sucky coach, he got an interview for Seahawks offensive coordinator. Please uh, don't. Please don't. And, <clears throat> and if, if it's not a joke, how much does this team hate Russ? Uh, okay. <clears throat> If this is not a joke, let's just rewind. Last what? How long has he been on the Jets? Two years? Three years? Two years. Okay. Let's take a rewind to the last two years and tell me how many good offensive performances the Jets have had. Maybe one? Mm-hmm. What about that screams? Oh, he would be a great offensive coordinator. He literally has not had a top 20 offense in the NFL. Top 20 since he was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's saying something. Devontae Parker, <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, and Robbie Anderson all dramatically improved when Gase left. And Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold got progressively worse when he came in. There's no reason to think he's going to be able to work with Russ and do good things. Oh, no. And I think if Russ is smart, he's like, all right, if you do this, I'm out. Yeah. Like, put your foot down. That's your team. Interesting with Jets, they've decided to hire uh, their new head coach, Robert Sala, the San Francisco 49ers youth coach coordinator. It makes sense to agree. He is the first Muslim coach in the history of the NFL. Um, he's a very good character guy and an excellent defense coordinator. He led the Niners to the Super Bowl last year with his defense. And even this year, despite having... Really bad injury luck. San Francisco still finished here fifth in defense. The bigger question, though, is can he solve the Sam Darnold problem? I think a lot of it comes down to who he hires as offensive coordinator, but do you have faith that he can turn around this team? That's a, that's a lot to ask because you're going into a situation where your offense is not that good. <clears throat> you have one good receiver and a quarterback that could be good. If you put pieces around him and develop him, which is something Adam Gase never did. So at this point, you have to ask yourself, is it too late? Do you try to trade him or do you try to draft another quarterback at this point? And 
I think there's good pieces on that defense, but it still needs a lot of work. Like you're gonna have to draft defensively if you that's the focus you want to focus like if that's what you want to put your majority of your focus in. But <clears throat> I think they'll be better. I don't think they're gonna be like making any playoff runs anytime soon. There's just too much rebuilding that needs to be done. But I mean, they'll be better than two wins. That's that's where I'm falling. I see them going up back up to a six and ten, seven and nine, personally. I do think he's a dramatic improvement over Gabe, but at the same time, it depends on who they get as their offense coordinators to be exactly how far this team can go. Yeah. Um, another defense coordinator got hired was Rams defense coordinator Brandon Staley, who got hired by the Chargers to be their new head coach. This guy, he was a very he ran a very innovative defense for the Rams. It was a lockdown defense all year long. But what's the Chargers? They have Justin Herbert. So why aren't they getting an offensive guy to pair with Justin Herbert? I do not understand. Because I, I'm, I'm not mad about the Staley hiring or being named to a head coach. I just don't think that it's the right fit for this particular team. The, just like with the Jets situation, that pick coordinator will be huge. What do you think about this all? I agree and disagree. Yes, you need <clears throat> you need a good offensive coordinator, but if you look at some of the losses that they took last year, it's because the defense couldn't stop the other team. They were putting up 30, 40 points and still losing. So if you can better that defense and your offense can stay somewhat consistent, they'll win more games than they did last year. And you can find if he doesn't like the offensive coordinator, guess what? You can fire him. Get a better one. I mean, he can come in and build his own team. So it's not like he can't find that fit that goes with them. But I think helping them defensively up front will help a lot more because of how bad that defense was. It started off great, but after that, it just went. It was bad, but it'll, it'll take time. Like, again, it'll... Fans, be patient. He's not going to come in and change things overnight, but slowly you'll start seeing improvements. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a good hiring, but it is going to come down to the offense coordinator is. Um, now, I, I will say, I do like the last two hires we discussed. One hiring I do not like. The Lions have named the same assistant, uh, Dan Campbell, who is their head coach. Uh, Campbell has been an interim coach before. He's never been a full-time head coach. Though. He... Uh, was the interim with the Dolphins, and he proved he excels in things like motivation. He doesn't succeed in the X's and O's, and that's why he was a bad interim coach in Miami. But why do we think he can coach now? I personally don't see those hiring working out. Okay, well, there's two sides here. I don't know much about the guy, so I'm not going to say it'll work or it won't work. First of all, he was with Miami before Miami got good, so it could have been... Yeah, he may not be an X and O's guy. So maybe that's why he went to the Saints, so he could learn from Sean Payton. Like, he's been with this great coach. So maybe maybe if he was smart, he he looked at things and he took things in and he's like, oh, let me become a better coach. And maybe that's why he got the job. But again, it's he's going to struggle. The, all these new coaches, like, all, I hope none of these fans are going in like, oh, we're going to be like 10 and 6 this year. No, it's not going to happen. The coaching change is the start. You also have to revamp your team because a lot of these teams have bottom of the the barrel players or old players. 
or just players who were busts and it's time to move on. Um, now, one team that um, might have those expectations uh, or at least expectations that take a gigantic leap in the immediate future is the Falcons, who have hired Arthur Smith to be their new head coach. Smith was the um, former Titans offensive coordinator. He ran various Titans offense, efficient offense, with Tannehill and Derrick Henry. And um, also, ironically enough, the guys is some of the founder of LX. Um, I'm excited to see what uh, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley were able to do in this offense, because I think they might be poised for an explosion next year with this team. I agree with two out of three of those. I don't think Todd Gurley's exploding anywhere anymore. <laughs> like I, you have one bad year, okay? Maybe it's just a bad year, but two in a row, like it's not looking good. It's looking like the tank is dry. But, and honestly, I think it's time to draft a quarterback. Matt Ryan's getting old. You're gonna need a backup. You're gonna need to start training the next one. And the problem with Yes, he's a great offensive coordinator, but he also comes from a run-heavy team. The Falcons are not a run-heavy team. I think it's time to balance that up. And honestly, I don't. you don't draft a quarterback in the first round. I would draft a running back. You need a solid running back so you can have that balance. You can take pressure off of Matt Ryan, and you can open up Julio Jones a little bit. This hiring, in my opinion, reminds me a lot of the Kevin Stefanski hiring. From last year, because we wondered the same thing about Stefanski going from the Vikings to the Browns, and whether he'd be able to do that with Baker Mayfield. And he was successful this year, highly successful. He's probably going to end up winning coach of the year. Yeah, but I he also has two back. amazing running backs. Yeah, but he also lost his best receiver, what, week five? And they played so much better without that receiver. I'm not going to name Joe yeah, because everybody should know who this is by now, but. It was fully a uh, full-on Ewing theory effect. Um, now, uh, one place these coaches are not going to be able to uh, get a lot of impact for uh, the team going forward is going to be the uh, combine. Because there's changes that are going to be coming at the combine due to COVID. It's not going to be an Indy. Uh, it's going to be mostly pro days and virtual interviews. So how will it change them? Personally, I think this is going to lead to a lot more variability in the draft. In terms of you know being able to get steals late, having busts early, that type of thing, I think it's going to make the draft a lot more interesting. I think so too. And how are you going to skip over one of the biggest coaching hirings? You want to go ahead, Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. Oh yeah, I don't know how I'd skip over that. Come on, so, Florida yeah, boy. Let's talk about the combine. Let's cycle back to Urban. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't know all the changes that are happening. I assume they're going to be watching virtually or something. Or do they just get like data that gets sent to them? I don't I don't know how they're doing it. It's going to be a lot of film study. Okay. I mean, that's how it was back in the old days anyway. But I think that's better. You watch what they've done over three or four years, however long they stay in college. Because, yes, okay, this guy can lift more or... This guy can run faster, but that doesn't show you heart. That doesn't show you resiliency. That doesn't show you how they perform under pressure because these guys do this every day. So to them, oh, running a 40-yard dash is nothing. Lifting weights is nothing because they're in the they're in training every day. 
I think you really need to go look at game tape from their college games to figure out are they a right fit for our offense or defense? How do they play when the game's on the line? How do they handle themselves? Like, are they throwing shoes down the field? Yeah, I'm talking to you, Wilson, or whatever the hell you're going to Yeah. Are they, do they play smart ball? Like, there's so much more that goes into it than these numbers that are in in the combine. And yes, I'm sure that they go to tape sometimes, but I think a lot of the times they mainly focus on the combine. And what if a player has a bad day and you and you didn't draft him because, oh, he had a bad day? Okay. Yeah, the one thing, though, that just is going to hurt is it's going to hurt players who decide to sit out the season and it's going to hurt players who come from smaller schools because they're not going to get the opportunity to shine in front of the scouts like they normally would. So you might see backups on big schools get drafted because people know who they are. But yet that, you know, deep three guy who could be a star, he might not get taken because he's just a variable. Hey, that's good for my boy um, Kyle Trask, you know. Get him out there. Yeah. Um, well, maybe be Trask, um, and obviously in the state of Florida. I'll just go ahead and talk about what is the biggest coaching hire. I'll just go ahead and say it. Urban Meyer coming back to coach Jacksonville Jaguars. I've got to say, I was I was floored by this. Knowing how Urban was from Ohio and was an Ohio State guy through and through, I thought for sure that when he retired from Ohio State, he was done coaching. Nope. He's going to go and test his, uh, uh, dip his toes in the waters of the NFL here as a team that is really, really bad, but has a great young core, at least some good young pieces, and is going to be adding Trevor Lawrence. Um, where do you think Jags are going to be able to finish? Personally, I they might be able to get up to six and ten, seven and nine. I don't see them in the playoff team. And I, as much as I'd love to see Urban do well, I just don't see it. I agree. It's gonna be better for the Jacksonville fans, but again, it's something that it's gonna take time to fix. My biggest question, though, is if you know Urban Meyer and you've seen the offenses that he has run, does he take Trevor Lawrence or does he say, hey, this is a, this is the style of offense I want to run. I need a more mobile quarterback. Does he go for Justin Fields? There was this great meme that I saw with uh, Urban and Trevor Lawrence and Jaguars gear. It said, um, if you didn't love us at 1-15, don't root for us at 4-12. Yeah, I I think they still go after Trevor Lawrence, but there's that big question, like, does he switch it up and go for Justin's fields because of the style of offense that he's been known to run, or is he just creating a whole new offense that he hasn't run before? It'll be interesting because you have to look at the quarterback he had, the quarterbacks he had in college, and it was Tim Tebow, and then he had I don't even know the dude's name anymore from Ohio State that got hurt, and then freaking Cardell Patterson took over for Cardell Jones. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, Braxton Miller had uh, J.T. Barrett. He had um, Cardell. Obviously, had Cam Newton. He had Alex Smith way back in the day. Yeah, he, he had Cam Newton for like a year, and he never even played for yeah. Florida. But yeah, and he had Chris Leak. I tell you, I know the guy that owns the uh, infamous Cam Newton laptop. Wait, what? I know the guy that owns the Cam Newton laptop. 
Like it was his laptop that got stolen. Yeah. Man, if you hadn't reported that, we could have had two more championships. You selfish jerk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God, um, take one for the team. <laughs> Mentioning quarterbacks, um, we have have you been following this Deshaun Watson situation? Yeah, and from what I'm hearing, I think there's like a really strong possibility he ends up with Miami. So I've heard the Finns, I've heard the Jets. Uh, for the Patriots, but he wants out and he's demanding a trade. Well, he here's the thing: not want to play for Cal McNair anymore. The GM hiring situation did not help because he um, named multiple people in the meeting who he would like to see just get interviewed. He did not even reportedly tell him to hire one of these guys. He just wanted them interviewed, and McNair did not listen or interview any of them. Um, now, it is worth noting Eric Bianni, who uh, Chiefs offense coordinator, has apparently interviewed with the Texans for the head coaching job, and Watson did approve Bianni. So, if Bianni gets the hire, I wonder if uh, that does help with the Watson situation. Yeah. But this is getting up real quick. And uh, fans plan to march in Houston. Watson said that he appreciated it, but no thanks. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out personally. I, if I had to pick a team for him to go to, I would say probably my own in exchange for his number three pick, which I run on up, is the, the Texans front end that owes the Dolphins for a wear and pencil, uh, plus probably two more firsts and uh, probably two of them. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. Watson has control on where he goes because he has a no trade clause so if they try to trade him to a team he doesn't want to go to he can be like I'm not reporting like you're I'm not going there but he has come out and said he would like to play for Miami because he likes the culture there and he likes what they're doing with that team but if you're Miami is it worth it because from the latest mock drafts I've seen you can get both Najee Harris and Devontae Smith with Tua three people that have already played together you get a freaking amazing wide receiver at number three. And you get Najee Harris, who is like an Alvin Kamara 2.0. So you, you got it. Harris you gotta, is a Kamara 2.0. He, no, he's a Derek Henry 2.0. I don't know, though, because he can, he does a lot of catching, too. Like, if you watch, if you watch him in the SEC Championship, he had two rushing touchdowns. And, or in, I'd like, it was either three rushing and two receiving or three receiving and two rushing. That's true, but he's also a much bigger back than Kamara is, and he doesn't even know where near as fast. Well, he don't have to be fast when he has footwork like that, because holy crap. And like He makes guys look silly trying to tackle him. It's just one of those things you really have to look at. Honestly, I like Deshaun Watson. I think you should be looking at the Steelers. I wouldn't even say the Patriots, because there's no weapons there. Maybe the Colts. You never know. Um. Moving to another uh, player that's got some interesting news, Mark Ingram is set to be released by the Ravens. It's going to save the Ravens $5 million. And can't blame him because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are pretty good back. But my question to you is, does Mark Ingram have anything left? No. No, I was shocked. He had one good year. If you really look at it, he said one good year, and that was last year. And that's that was a lot of screens and like goal line rushing, but 
again, he's an Alabama running back. No offense, Najee Harris. I think you can make it, but other than Derrick Henry, if you look at all the Alabama running backs that did amazing in college, they haven't done jack in the NFL. Other than Derrick Henry. It is a... Uh, I saw it coming. I mean, he... He didn't even play in four of the last five games. He was either hurt, had COVID, whatever it was. And when you're out and these other running backs are outperforming you, heck, even if he was in the game, Lamar Jackson would still have more rushing guards than him. So it doesn't even matter. It's just one of those things like take the money, get – they need receivers is what they need. They need receivers and they need to train Lamar Jackson to be a pocket passer. Until you do that – you will not make a championship game. You won't make the Super Bowl. You just got embarrassed when it should have been a close game. See, I think um, that Mark Ingram does have stuff left in the tank, but he's damaged goods. He needs to be a 1B or a 2. He cannot be a number 1 anymore. Why? Yeah, so why did he leave New Orleans? You had it made. You had a scary two-headed monster. You had Kamara and Ingram. So when Ingram... When Kamara needed rest, he could come in and do his thing for short spurts, and then Kamara would come back in. And they were paying you decently to be a backup because they knew you could go somewhere to be a starter. But I, they saw what everybody else didn't see, and were, they were like, okay, but he doesn't need to be playing the entire game. Mentioning um, the Ravens also, um, there has been a donation drive to uh, benefit Lamar Jackson. Um after Lamar Jackson suffered a concussion in the uh, Saturday night divisional round game playoffs, Bill's Mafia started donating uh, to uh, um, charities that Lamar Jackson had donated in his name and has raised uh, today hundreds of thousands of dollars for these charities. I got to say, Bill's Mafia definitely be the best fan base in the NFL. This is yet another impressive showing from him. So they did it because they beat him, or they did it because he had a concussion. What? So did they? Did they donate to his charities because they beat him? Like the Bills beat him, or because, because they he had beat a con- him and because he got injured? Both. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's classy. You don't <laughs> see that from a lot of fans. Yeah, and basically, a lot of people were like, "Look, we beat his team, but the uh, league's better with Lamar in it, and they want to donate to those causes." Um, another piece of player news that came out. Thanks to Instagram Live, we found out some very private information about A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, the Titans uh, star wide receiver, said that he should have been done in week two. He had surgery in both knees, and um, despite this, he um, made it to the Pro Bowl this season. He had a very good season, and I gotta say, this was a really Yeah, how as a wide receiver do you have two surgeries or a surgery on both knees, you play the entire year and make a Pro Bowl? Yeah. Like, how are you still walking? Not saying, like, ever, but, like, fast enough to be playing in games and making a Pro Bowl. Yeah, apparently they had to go in and do surgeries to uh, remove cartilage on both of his knees. Loose cartilage. Interesting. Which just completely blew me away. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, another piece of news that came out yesterday: Sarah Thomas has been named the first 
female official in the history of the Super Bowl. She's going to be the dance judge. And as someone who has played and helped uh, officiate football for years, she is a very good referee. I'm glad to see her on it. She actually legitimately earned it. This isn't uh, a token play or anything like that by the NFL. She legitimately earned this. And all the props to her, this is going to be a history-defining moment, in my opinion, for the NFL. She's a downs one downs judge, like she's just one first down, second down, third down, fourth down. So she keeps track of the downs, but then she also officiates along the line of scrimmage as well. Okay, I was about to say. I mean, as long as you can count to so, four, you're good. So um, holding penalties and that kind of thing is going to be what she's um, okay. So like holding, roughing the passer. Offsides yeah. encroachment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she she stands at well, one end of the line of scrimmage, and uh, along with the chain crew, she makes sure the chain crew is doing their job, and um, she'll officiate making sure there's no holding, there's no illegal hands to the face. Uh, anything along the line of scrimmage is to up to snuff. And the one thing that I like about her is she has a tendency to swallow her whistle. Whenever um, plays are being made, so she basically just lets the player back on the side on the field, which a lot of referees, for some reason, don't want to let the guys play. But she's one that actually does. So I'm I'm really proud of her for this, and she 100 percent deserves it. Congratulations! Finally, uh, today we're recording this on uh, Wednesday. There was one last piece of news that broke. Philip Rivers is retiring after a 17-year career in the NFL. Um, I thought it was funny. He said that he is starting a family and settling down. Despite having the fact that he has nine kids. I know. He named every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, he still yet wants to start a family. So if, that's, if he hasn't started a family yet, then uh, is he going to build a full 53-man roster? <laughs> the Los Angeles Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he played for all those years for San Diego. He knows how it feels like that not have fans. He wants to end up ensuring that no one ever goes for that again because at least they'll have 53 people in the stands. Oh my God. No, they won't because they're all going to be on the field. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in more seriousness, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? And do you think he's the best Chargers quarterback of all time? Oh, I think he's going to get in. He deserves it. I mean, he's played 17 years. For the most part, he stayed healthy, and he he was a factor. Whether or not he made it to the Super Bowl or not, like, he still made it to playoffs. You still had to circle that game when he played there. And he brought this indie team that just last year was not so hot to the playoffs, and they fought really hard. Against the Bills. So I think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. The best Chargers quarterback? I mean, are we not counting Drew Brees? See, personally, I consider Drew Brees more of a Saints quarterback. Because Brees only played for four years as a Charger. That's still a long time. In two of those years, he sucked. Okay. Well, then yes, I would say he's the best Chargers quarterback. I think it's between him and Dan Fouts. Fouts is already a Hall of Famer and was a legendary uh, commentator as well. But I think I do think he is the best 
shortest quarterback ever. And I do think he is a Hall of Famer with his resume. Going to as many Pro Bowls as he did, as many playoffs as he did, as many division piles as he did. He is in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, well, fans, we are finally down to the conference championship games. Got two games to pick this weekend. First off, in the 3 o'clock time slot, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Green Bay Packers. Tom Brady is going to face Aaron Rodgers yet again. Um, who do you think ends up winning the showdown Hall of Fame quarterback? Oh, this is a hard one. Um, it's going to depend on which defense shows up. They both played pretty well last week. But that Tampa Bay defense looks scary. But they're going up against a really good offense in Green Bay. Uh, right now, I'm going to take the spread. I'm going to go Green Bay by three. I'm taking um, the Packers to win here myself. This game is going to be in the frigid cold with a warm weather team versus cold weather team. Rodgers is going to be the MVP this season, and Aaron Jones is a monster. And I also think this Packers team wants to get revenge for the previous matchup this season. I think the Packers are going to lay the lumber, and this one could get ugly. I honestly think the Packers are going to blow out the box. Finally, in the 640 time slot in the primetime game, we have the AFC title game with the Buffalo Bills going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Who do you think ends up winning? If Mahomes plays, I'm going to go Chiefs by 10. If he doesn't play, I'm going to go Bills by 6. For me, I'm going to go with the Bills here. Either way. Mahomes is questionable right now with a concussion and a foot injury. Even if he plays, the Chiefs have struggled down the back half of the season. Meanwhile, if not for the Hale Murray, the Bills will be on a 12-game win streak right now. Josh Allen and Sean McDermott have what it takes to get a huge win at a quieted arrowhead. And I think not having the uh, 100% capacity is going to hurt the Chiefs in this game, where if they had the largest stadium in the country, it would they'd be able to pull it out. But I don't think I don't see them pulling it out here. You have the Bills. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm... So I'm seeing, I'm putting it in now, Packers, Bills, the Super Bowl. Your I want is? a State Farm Super Bowl. Give me a freaking State Farm Super Bowl. <laughs> you, I don't even care how much money they make off of it. I just want to see the damn commercials. <laughs> like, shit. No, I do have the Chiefs and the Packers. It's not what I called it at the beginning of the year. I think I had Saints and the Chiefs, but... Eh, shit happens, you know, whatever. I, I, I want to see this uh, Rodgers-Mahomes matchup. Same. So. Well, that's all the time we've got for you this week. Thank you very much for joining. I'm Justin Cox. Cameron Kennedy. And we're going to be the upright Bye. <laughs>